Hello there. Welcome to episode 100 of the Oblivious Maximus podcast. I am Aaron Osborne. I have hosted this podcast for the last 100 episodes. Thank you very much for listening to them. If you've listened to most, if you listen to all, I'm very surprised and good on you. Um, and if you just listened to this one, welcome to episode 100. There is 99 other ones that come before this in varying degrees of quality. Um, yeah, been doing this for a long time now, it seems. It took me a long time to get to 100 in the scope of podcasting, but I've done it. And no better way to ring in the 100th episode than to feature the person who was on the first episode, my dear friend, Patrick Galvin. Uh, Patty chose the self-titled Rage Against the Machine record, uh, which we obviously both have a lot of different feelings about. I love it. He loves it. We have things that we don't like about it and things we don't like about the band as well. So we talked about that too. Um, but yeah, all in all a record that both of us know very well. So it was a easy one to talk about. And obviously when you talk to one of your best friends, it's pretty easy to chin wag a bit. So enjoy that. Um, this podcast is also going to be a video. Uh, we're putting it online soon. J-Hat, my dear friend is helping me do that. Thank you, J-Hat. Um, I assume when I put this on the internet, that'll go up at the same time. Who knows? I'm new to trying to figure that out. Did a video podcast once with Trad Nathan. Have tried to do it before and it's always failed, but I'm just leaning on people who are much smarter at these things than me. So they're going to help me. Um, got more good ones coming up. Hopefully do some more video ones now that we have the capacity to do this. Um, and yeah, otherwise, please enjoy episode 100 of the oblivious maximus podcast with patty galvin talking about the self-titled rage against machine record shout out to all the guests that have done this with me so far thanks to everyone who's listened follow us on the internet on the social media things check out the youtube thing when the video goes up thank you very much fucking brutal All right, Patty, thank you for doing the podcast with me. No worries at all. This is... How you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm very well. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I've done a hundred of them. This is... Yeah. I, it's quite impressive for me. I, <laughs> I was thinking the other day while I was driving to work, I was just like, it's kind of, I was like, I can't believe there's been a hundred of these, but also I at the same time thought that there was more. Yeah. But it's just like... You don't want to be like, I can't believe you've only done a hundred, but also it's like, I can't believe that you've hit a hundred yet. Anyway, it's weird that it's been, that it's like, that's a big milestone that you've hit now, which is, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, certainly there was more than a hundred. I have recorded more than a hundred. I just haven't put them yeah. up, but yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's a story for uh, not being recorded and released to the world. <laughs> but um, not nah, tell everybody. <laughs> um, But yeah, no, I think the other, for me as well, like. I guess I've been doing this for like, I think six years. So a hundred well, is kind of, I mean, I did, didn't do it for two years, but that's it. But we started the, we, well, we did the first one when we lived together, which was 2015, I want to say. Yeah. 14. I think or it was 2000. Two, yeah. It must've been 2015. Who knows? But yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, it is, it is very funny too, because 
for all intents and purposes, I'm still doing it in the exact same fashion in that I still use the same handheld recorder and I've just yeah. jimmied it up with all this other stuff now to yeah, figure it out. Exactly, Nate. Now you got a GoPro. Now I got a GoPro. The next logical evolution. Yeah. The next logical yeah. evolution for someone who knows absolutely nothing to do with this stuff. <laughs> well, um, you know more than me because I couldn't figure out how to get the microphone to work. So, Admittedly, I did send and this you is a, my, and I sent you a and YouTube video. this is my video. job. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, anyway, cool. All right. So you picked um, the self-titled Rage Against the Machine record. Why did you pick that? Well, um, yeah, when you messaged me to ask me, like, do you want to be on it? I was like, oh, yeah, sick. And so it's like all these records are kind of coming to mind. And, like, my first thought of a record was going to be a NoFX record. Yep. Because I love NoFX. And then I was like, oh, no, no, but I don't listen to NoFX that much anymore. Mm. And I was like, so maybe not that. And then I was thinking, like, I listen to a lot of hip hop, like predominantly hip hop these days. And so I was like, listen. So I started going through like a Nas record or something like that, like Illmatic. And I'm like, that'd be great. But also like Nas, like Illmatic is probably my all time favorite record, but I still skip songs on that record. Like it's kind of, right. I don't love everything. And so I was like thinking about that. I was sitting, I was at dinner with Alex, Alex Young, our friend. Yep. And, um, and yeah, I was, I was talking about it. And then I just realized that it's like, I got to know effects like liking them. And I got to Nas both via Rage Against the Machine. Okay. And so I was just like, it makes so much more sense because they're the band that I've liked. Of all bands that I still like, I've liked them the longest. Yeah. Like, I got into them quite young and they sort of informed my taste in music in various directions. Yeah. And so I was like, well, that makes sense. And this record in particular is probably, I'd say it's probably the record I've listened to the most in my life. Like... Yeah, I, so. it's, it's really funny for me with, with Rage Against the Machine. I think a big thing that I always forget is that they only have three of their own records, which yeah, exactly. uh, for, for a band of their tenure and also their like size, you would assume mm. that they had like 10 records or something, you know? Well, that's the thing, yeah. It's kind of like they, they're, like, they're a legacy band. They're a band that is on like you know, obviously stylistically different, but on the same level as like Metallica and shit like that, they yeah. are a band that will be remembered forever. And they've got three records and then ended on a covers record. Yeah. It's like, which it's, it's real weird, which has like great songs on it. Like it's got great covers, oh, yeah. but like it is, yeah, it's bizarre that that's where it sort of flattened for them. It's just like, cause like I, like they're a band, like even though I've chosen the first record, I think they're a band that got better with each release Mm. and like where they were as a band, like collectively, like as like musicians and like ideals and everything that they were doing when they did the covers record, that was like their peak. Like they were fantastic Yeah, yeah. and they didn't do anything original and then ended. And it's like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's a bummer. I mean, yeah, I think it's, it's cool listening to this record though, because like, I suppose, you know, I first heard this record in high school, like year seven, I I assume like most people did. Um, yeah. and the thing for me with this in it, like, I guess in hindsight is that like the music, while it is like very palatable by a kid in year seven, particularly if you've yeah. been listening to new metal or you've been listening to rap or whatever, it obviously yeah, yeah. brings, it's part of that whole thing. Um, exactly. But I think that the thing that always jars me about it when I listen to it now is like, 
there's no way when I was in year seven did I understand any of what they were talking about. <laughs> well, that's that's the kind of thing. It's like, I think, because I would have, like, first started listening to this band, like, pre-high school. Like, when I... I would have heard them on Triple J when I was, like... I remember discovering Triple J when I was in, like, year four or five. Yeah. Because I had, like... My best friends had older siblings who were like, check this out. Yeah. But, um... And I, I would have heard, like, Killing the Name on the radio or something like that. Or sure. some other song off this record. Because I remember specifically hearing this record as a kid and listening being like this is great and listening to it and not realizing that they had other records yeah yeah. because i was a kid and just assumed that this was it yeah and um and so but i like it's like i don't know i think it just like it is quite yeah palatable like you're saying and it's like something that's funny i was like the other day i was listening i was trying to do some research about the record because like years ago like i kind of go in and out of like phases of like how into this like i've always i always like them Mm. but every few years or so i just get like really fucking in depth and just listen to nothing but raging against the machine yeah and so i have i've like i would had some kind of facts in the back of my head and shit like that about this record but i was like i'm gonna brush up and listen to things and i found this interview with tom morello from fucking 1993 it was when they this album had just come out they were doing lollapalooza and some uh, the interviewer described Rage Against the Machine as public enemy for white kids. <laughs> <laughs> and and I thought that was very funny. But he's also like, Tom Morello's like, no, 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 we're not that. Like, he's like, you know, there's obviously like similarities and stuff. But then he starts to explain, he's like, yeah, but we are clearly playing music that's more, it's easier to listen to for like, for, for suburban white kids and just, you know, general audiences than public enemy. Because public enemy is, you know, rap is obviously, I mean, rap's a very big genre, but it's, it is niche. Yeah. And so, and particularly at the time, enemy. as and the, at the time yeah. as well, exactly. But so, Rage Against the Machine were clearly just taking the same kind of the same messages that, um, well, not the same, but most of the same messages that um, Public Enemy were doing, and like you know, the same ideals and same kind of vibe, mm. but then just put it into like fucking funk rock, yeah, and. <laughs> yeah. and but then that's how it kind of like it translated. So there are kids like us who, when we were like you know, children hearing this and being like, this is great and not really getting the, the depth of it or you yeah. know, what the band was actually about, but it's still appealed to us in some way. Yeah. And I guess that was kind of what they were trying to do is that they were trying to, they, they had a message and they were trying to code it in something that worked for everybody. Yeah. And I think, I think the other thing too, that's interesting is like, obviously I didn't know this when I was a kid and liked Rage Against the Machine a lot, you know, in school, but like yeah, growing up and then going into playing in hardcore bands and stuff, then learning that, um, you know, Zach was in, you know, a relatively influential hardcore band. and Exactly, yeah, yeah. And, like, uh, and when you, when you look into doing, you know, similar, doing, like, research about it, as far as it basically shows is that, like, he, he was getting more into the message of what he was doing, and getting more mm. into hip hop and other styles of music, and I guess wanted in uh, wanted Inside Out, the band he was in, to do that, and then yeah, yeah, then just was like, I guess the rest of them didn't want to do it or whatever. And <laughs> their record that they didn't put out was meant to be called Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> I, I was gonna say, yeah, it's like it seems like this is kind of the direction that band was going in, not necessarily musically, but like everything else was heading this direction. Yeah. And so it's just the next But it, And it, it's just very funny that they didn't do that. And uh, I, I, again, 
I'm sure people out there can school me on this, but I have no idea what those other people did. But then he yeah. goes and does this and ends up being in like one of the biggest bands in the 90s. <laughs> like- well, that's what's funny. It's like, because it's like the, the, the story that I heard is that one of the guys in the band, because as was the style at the time, decided to be a Hare Krishna. Yes. And so left the band and so the rest of them were like we don't know what the fuck to do so we'll just break up and it's just funny that that like rather than just being like okay well let's just keep going without that guy or you know figure something out they just stopped and then yeah one of the biggest bands in history kicks (laughs) off comes out of it yeah well yeah i mean i think there's like right off the bat there's i have so many like stories tied in with this record but like i mean one of the first things that bomb track is like one of the first songs that guitar teachers teach people. Yeah. <laughs> because right. it's yeah. just like a scale box. Like it's yeah. And I, I remember like when I did my first guitar lessons, my teacher going like, What do you listen to? And I'd be, you know, corn, mm. this, that, whatever. And he'd be like, yeah. I can't teach you how to play that on an acoustic <laughs> guitar. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But I can teach you Bomb Track by Rage Against Machine. And I was like, oh, perfect. Yeah. I love new metal, you know? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's what's so funny about, like, well, there's two things. Like, it makes sense that I, like, that Tom Morello used to be a guitar teacher and then everything on this record is just, like, yeah. stuff that's that works for guitar teachers. So it's like, yeah, yeah okay. But, um... But that, the funny, that was, I was talking to Ellie for, you know, listeners, my partner Ellie. Um, uh, I was talking to her about this this morning about how, like... Yeah, like you talking about new metal, is that this is basically like it's it's rap rock in the mm. way that new metal is effectively rap rock, but it's it's not. It's kind of it's well, and and I think the the term rap rock doesn't really make sense in in reference to new metal often because it oh, yeah. isn't rock music. It is like obnoxious metal yeah. like it, it's yeah, like yeah. and it, it takes far more influence from pantera fear factory like all that stuff and yeah, i mean yeah, obviously yeah. fear factory end up just becoming a new metal band anyway but like yeah 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 those things shape it a lot more whereas this is actually like rock music like the the riffs That's in this are, are more and I mean, there's a song on this which is just a Led Zeppelin riff, but like it, they are far yeah. more Zeppelin than they are metal, you know. Well, that's it. Like the because like yeah, I, I listened to some other thing the other day where it was like this like music nerd guy just breaking down the musicianship of the record, mm. and he was just talking about it. and he's like yeah, and he's like this riff comes from a funk band, and this riff comes yeah. from a fucking yeah from Led Zeppelin, and this comes from here, and it's like all influenced from like I guess what you would describe as traditional rock and roll kind of stuff. Yeah. And, but it's, but they, but I guess because of the, I don't know, the anger behind it and kind of the, the more, it has a bit more of a, um, I don't know, verocity to it. It's, it, it leans closer to the metal side of things, even though musically it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, having a song that says fuck a million times, obviously aids in that. (laughs) Like. Exactly. It's like there's the there's the whole conversation where everyone like talks about Parkway Drive and they're like Parkway Drive are a hardcore band and like musically they're not a fucking hardcore band. Yeah. But their attitude and the 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 way that that band works is a hardcore band. Yeah. And it's like this this like like that and I think that's why like when I said before I got to no effects from this because you listen to this record and it is like the songs are kind of like they feel like punk songs like they mm. it has the kind of the the same 
feel of like having like this fucking gang vocals and shit like that on it. It's yeah. like it it has that feeling of like punk and hardcore and metal, but the riffs aren't any of those things. No, yeah. And like and certainly the fact that well, I mean, you know, for all intents and purposes he's rapping, but he does yeah. he does scream still on like pretty much every yeah. song and like there'll be exactly, there's yeah. like a yelling part in every song and stuff like that like yeah um and even the songs that are like straight up like funk bass and drums with rapping and tom morello just making noises still yeah, always yeah. end up having like a big riff or having a screaming part exactly. or a fast part or something you know exactly like they, they are they kind of evolve in the same way as as punk and hardcore songs do. Yeah. I guess like even in the nineties as well, when, you know, rage were kicking off all the bands that were influenced, like the hardcore bands that were influenced by like inside out and whatnot all started like there's been, it's like fucking, um, glass drawer is a bad example, but like bands that popped up in the nineties that all started to like, it was like pre new metal, but they all started influence, like had that kind of rapping kind of influence in like the way, yeah. I don't know the way that the vocals worked and shit like that. They weren't necessarily rapping, but everything was kind of going that way. Rage against the machine. It was kind of rage. were doing it as well. It's like, I think it was just the nineties. Yeah. Heading that way musically in the alternative music space. Well, and, and so and- that's why. They did. And there's interesting stuff with that too, because then there's the other side, which obviously Rage are very connected with, but like Cypress Hill as well, who started going the other direction, who when Cypress Hill started, they were just, you know, like pure hip hop. And then Cypress Hill, would you like, (laughs) there's, I mean, there's a story about Cypress Hill, how they, I guess got offered a, maybe it was even like Woodstock or Lollapalooza or one of those things. And they got offered the the, yeah, yeah. the show and the dude who like managed them was like, why don't you play with a band? And they were like, oh no, hip hop acts like don't have bands. And they were yeah, like, yeah. and he was like, well, you could have a band. Like you, you know, people who play music, you could do it. And again, as I've been doing on this podcast, just saying things and assuming they're true. But like, as far as I, <laughs> as far as I remember, in the 90s, it was, like, Cypress Hill were one of the first, like, big hip-hop groups that had had big records and had big singles and stuff that just kind of out of the blue started touring with, like, a 10-piece band with, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the DJ and them were always there, but then they were like, oh, we got a drummer, we got a keyboard player, we got a guitar player, we got a bass mm. player. And then that, over time, becomes, like, the norm. And then, yeah. you know, even, like... Every time, you know, any all those bands now, Snoop Dogg, like he tours with a full band, you know, like exactly, yeah, yeah. And I think to to uh, Cypress Hill's detriment, they also then ended up doing that. What was it, Skull and Bones or whatever? Like they they took it a bit too far, but um, <laughs> I but, watched... you know, yeah, like that was it. Uh, the the info, it's funny, like oh, you so go. you go. <laughs> no, well, it's like what listening to the um to like things talking like listening to old interviews with Tom Morello and shit like that where he's just talking about how like yeah I think one of their first ever tours pre this album maybe even was with Cypress Hill and so they kind of that's where they made that connection and kept doing stuff together and they were clearly like Rage started doing things to be a bit more like Cypress Hill and Cypress Hill started doing things to be a bit more like Rage yeah and so it kind of off it went but um yeah it's like yeah I think the point I was I was getting at before is that it's just funny because it's like on paper, it is rap rock. Yeah. And on paper, it shouldn't work. And on paper, I should fucking hate this band. 
but I don't. I love this band so much. Yeah. Well, and it's I mean, just, it's, it's kind of funny how it works. I think there's aspects of it too that really, I mean, that have aged well in that, mm. I mean, I think the thing now that I guess he's like getting better recognition for it, but I feel like there was never, it was never the case. Like he, like Zach is a, uh, to to my credit, and again, I'm not a aficionado of rap or anything, but like he's quite a good MC in the that, scope of what well, he does, that's it. and yeah, particularly particularly the way he conveys the message that he has is very cl- is very good and very concise and very clear. And then I think, like, I mean, I was like all white people love Run the Jewels, <laughs> and yeah. He, his, like, that guest spot on, you know, the second Run the Jewels record or whatever Mm. is fucking awesome. And then when they posted a photo of him that he was going to be on their new record, I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, I got so revved up by it. And the part on the new record is fucking awesome. Like, it's even better, I think. I haven't even listened to it yet. But but that's it. Like, that's the thing. When he has paired up, like, because he did, like... I remember there was, yeah, there was like rumors for fucking ever that he was going to release a solo record. And then he did that, like, this would have been 10, 15 years ago. He did that song with DJ Shadow, that uh, yeah. March of Death or whatever it's called. And it fucking rules. And it, but it's like, whenever he's done just like straight hip hop, yeah, it just shows it's like, oh yeah, you know, you're a very good MC. Like, it's not, it's not like you work in this one specific space. Like you as a, as a vocalist and as a, as a, yeah, as a, a rapper, he's very fucking good. Yeah. And so, when he does pop up, and like I kind of like the fact that it, he isn't just everywhere. Like I feel like, you know, I love this band, but I think Tom Morello needs to fuck off a little bit. And um, <laughs> well, that, that's like that's <laughs> one of my that's one of my notes as well. Is that like I think one of the the bigger one of the bigger detriments to this band, and like again, I don't know him. He could be a very nice person, but like yeah. the aura around Tom Morello is such that like. Yeah. Like, when I talked about, like, Green Day, for example, um, or talking about Danzig, or, talk, like, lots of these bands where, like, and U2 and things like that, like, for all the good the band does, it often gets yeah. overshadowed <laughs> by one member doing one thing that's, like, pretty lame, and then it, yeah, yeah. then everyone's like, oh, fuck that band because of whatever lame thing he yeah. did, you know? Well... That's the thing. It's like I, my memory is so bad that I just forget everything, and so I just have this like sour taste in my mouth mouth for uh, about Tom Morello. But I can't, I can't tell if it's just because I hated Audio Slave so much, or if <laughs> he actually said or did something that angered me. I have no idea. But I just anytime I think of him, I'm just like, Bleh. it's just like even though he's done, he's he's contributed to some of the best things I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, and he's like he like heavily contributed to. He wrote fucking everything um but it's like i don't know it's just like when we were both working at a music festival the other year Mm. that he was at yes and i don't know why i was like i was trying to like linger around to see him and then when i saw him i was kind of just like fuck that guy i'm not going near him (laughs) and like i don't know why i just like I, i can't remember if he did something that i disagree with or if i just don't like what he's doing these days well my my only real well i mean my I had, I remember when I was younger, I had big beef because Guitar World magazine did this like triple fold cover that had like the best guitar players of 
you know, modern music or whatever, like from the 60s yeah. until now. And it was like, yep. you know, Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath, Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin, all the way through to like Zach Wilde and, you know, guitar, right, guitar yeah. shit or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. He was on the cover as one of like the best guitar players of all time, which again, yeah, that's, a, okay. that's a separate thing. But I remember <laughs> yeah. myself and most of the metal community, Dimebag Daryl wasn't there and... Yeah. Of course, that made my blood boil. <laughs> that yeah. arguably a far better guitar player, like, doesn't matter well, what his yeah, contribution yeah. is, even though Pantera are one of the biggest metal bands of all time, he wasn't on the cover, but Tom Morello mm. was. And for everything that Tom Morello has written, and it's been really good, in terms of, like, guitar playing, half of the songs for Rage Against the Machine are him fucking around with his pickups like it's you know it's not yeah, guitar yeah. playing but but it's that's what's like he's more palatable it's like it's the it's the public enemy for white kids thing again it's just yeah, like yeah. he is yeah he's more like Dimebag Daryl looks like he's a, well it doesn't look like he was a fucking redneck and so well, people didn't want him on the cover of things but you do want Tom Morello and in hindsight he probably would have rocked up with a fucking confederate flag guitar so it's probably <laughs> yeah, probably exactly. better than they didn't put him on the cover anyway um, exactly exactly yeah but like i mean the other thing too with that is that um you know and i guess while it is a lot of guitar players and even you know myself hang shit on it at the same time like all the weird fucking wild stuff that he does on guitar makes this band so it like well, it, that's it yeah. it's perfect for what it's doing um and that's it like if if you just talk about it, you're like yeah he's just fucking around and, like taking the fucking lead out and hitting the strings with it and it's like mm. what are you doing man but it works like it yeah it like the the parts that stick in your head in rage songs a lot of the time are fucking weird things that aren't riffs or anything it's yeah. just noises that he's making but it works one of the things that really got me recently with that was you know how those masterclass ads always come up on Facebook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was like yeah. a masterclass, like Tom Morello teaches guitar. And in, in the like <laughs> in the like trailer, there's a bit of him like, you know, like fucking around with his pick and like maybe he's got like a screwdriver or something and it's like... Yeah. And it's just like, who... Why did they give him a masterclass? Like, who's... Like- <laughs> what kid are you going like, all right... You've got a guitar. Perfect. Go get a screwdriver, <laughs> jam it in the fucking yeah. thing. <laughs> like- All this makes me think of is I remember years and years ago, like 10 years ago or so, you went to some noise show in Canberra. This would have been before you moved to Melbourne. You went to some noise show with like Sam and Murph or something like that. And I didn't go. And I was like, I saw you afterwards. I'm like, what was the show like? And you're like, there was a guy who put his guitar in the ground and started sweeping it with a broom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, cool. <laughs> Like, that sounds like the worst fucking thing in the world. And that is just, like, the evolution of what Tom Morello started doing. The only good thing that came out of going to that noise show was when we played that show in Adelaide at Animal House with Phantoms and Jake was wearing a Grim Reaper outfit and had a broom (laughs) and kept banging it onto my hand and kept yelling sweep picking at me while he was doing it. So, going to that show had a benefits years down the track. Yeah, yeah. Made a great bit later on. Yeah. But, uh, um, (laughs) so you've seen, uh, you've seen Rage Against the Machine like a few times, right? No, just once. So I saw them when they did like the big reunion. Yeah. 
whenever that was, 2010 or something. And they, I think they came out and did Big Day Out, but they did a sideshow. And I went to the sideshow, which, like, sideshow was at a fucking arena. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I saw that. And that was like, yeah, I've kind of had these, yeah, like I was saying, I had these kind of dips. And I think that happened when I was kind of just like, oh, yeah, I like, I, I've loved Rage Against the Machine for most of my life. I'll never get a chance to see them again. I should go to this. But I wasn't like losing my mind being like, holy shit. And then I went and I was, and it was amazing. Like they, even though I was like hundreds of meters away up sitting in a seat next to a bunch of fucking losers, (laughs) it was amazing. Like it was a fantastic show. And like, cause like growing up as a kid, I would watch like any live video that I could find back when it was, I guess like early DVD or whatever the fuck things online i would watch live things of this band and it was always so sick and so i was kind of just like yeah now it's you know the reunion that they always said they never would do and all this shit and then i'm like oh no that that fucking rule that was great yeah and so yeah like well, they're a band and like because they were supposed to do a reunion now or something yeah like that this yeah, year, yeah. i think well and, and um, that's that's one of the things that i reckon i'm like most bummed about in terms of Stuff that I mean, I, I definitely didn't buy a ticket, but I was I was definitely going to, and and partially because Run the Jewels were the support, and yeah, I I love them, and I wanted to see them, and knowing that he sang on the record, I was like, great, he's gonna go out and do the two songs with them, like that's fucking awesome, exactly, like, yeah. and yeah. I I've and seen that's... videos of him getting out, him doing the guest spots with them, and it's like. For, you know, which I guess is wild to think about because, uh, you know, this band, again, they've won two Grammys, which I completely forgot. Mm. I, yeah, didn't even clock that, yeah. This record itself is has is triple platinum in America, yeah. and it's sold yeah. over five million copies worldwide. So, like, I mean, it's a huge yeah. record, obviously. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In the scope of, like, rage, in the scope of liking this band... To me, they're still like, oh, only metal guys like them. Only only people from yeah. school like them, or whatever. But that's not true. And like, nah. and watching yeah. like watching him come out on stage with Run the Jewels, the couple videos I've seen of that, people lose their fucking mind when he comes out on stage and he's wearing like, looking like Che Guevara in a fucking bad brain shirt, <laughs> and people are like, yeah. holy shit! <laughs> like, that's 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 what's so funny is like and. I guess this there's a, a weird like elitism that comes with growing up in the punk and hardcore scene. Yeah. But like I I was obviously growing up in that community but also listening to Rage which I found before it but always having this feeling kind of just being like I understand this band this band better than everybody. Like I yeah. get where it comes from. I get what they're doing. And then going to see them in front of, you know, thousands and thousands of people and then just being kind of like yeah, I I know that they're a big band. Obviously like you Back when Academy was a nightclub in Canberra, you could go there and they would play Killing in the Name because yeah. that's the one song that that crowd knew. But And you can do the volume like, drop. It's yeah, all about exactly. the volume drop. And so drop. it's like, <laughs> yeah. And so, like, you know, they're clearly a very widely loved band, but being there and just being like, this is so weird because in, my, in like my heart, I'm like, they're a hardcore band. Yeah. They're a hardcore band with rapping. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, it was kind of like a... It's a it's a weird thing because it feels like it should be much more niche and smaller than it is. Yeah. Well, and then, I, I mean, I think that's interesting in the scope of this record too because this record, I mean, 
really, this record only has one, like, hit on it in Killing of the Day. But... Yeah. To that as well, perfect link for us to talk about, but (laughs) one of the songs on this is in The Matrix, which is... Yes. One of the best things that happened to my life. Um, Yes. But, and again, like, I don't know why I've never noticed this. I guess because it just plays over the end credits. But I was like, oh, the whole song's about coming to reality and realizing it's called (laughs) Wake Up. Literally, when I was walking Mabel the other day, I was like, that's why they put it in the movie. (laughs) Like, I don't know how it's taken me, like... One of my favorite movies, a song I've loved since I was in school. The other day, I was like, "Oh, it's all it all makes sense well, that, now." That was it because, like, I went through like a big phase when I was like, you know, twelve, thirteen, where I was fucking obsessed with the Matrix when it just came out. Like, I came out when I was eleven or twelve. Yeah, and I remember seeing it at the cinema, and but like, I I already loved Rage Against the Machine at that point, and I remember I went and saw the Matrix with my nana because. Right. Funny story that I popped into my... I watched The Matrix the other week and I remembered that for some reason seeing the trailer for that movie, I thought it was a vampire film before I went and saw it. I that's, that's don't not, know what... Well, black yeah. coats, green faces. Yeah. <laughs> like, And maybe because like, I guess Blade would have come out beforehand, but I didn't see Blade. But I was just like, hey, it's a vampire movie. And that's so, what they look like, Blade. Um, yeah, exactly. And so I went to see it and it was like, oh, this is not what I was expecting at all. But then it ends with a Rage Against the Machine song who would have been my favorite band at the time. And I was like, this movie fucking rules. It's got yeah. everything I like in it. Yeah. And so then I was just like, yeah. And then like, you know, Matrix Reloaded, they obviously use Calm Like a Bomb and add the credits in that. And it's just like, oh yeah. And it's like, I guess because this like, when I wrote some points of things to talk about in this. One of the things why this band has survived with me for so long is that, like, they helped kind of inform some of my, like, early kind of political ideas and thinking. Yeah. Like, personal politics. And as I've gotten older, they've kind of just stayed with me. And it's like, I I get more out of the lyrics and the stories around what the band did. Because they weren't just a band. Like, they obviously, you know, they were quite involved. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In, like, local politics and, you know, US politics and everything like that. And, um... Yeah, and so, like, as I've gotten older and kind of my, I guess my, my, I keep saying politics, but, you know, my ideas and everything like that, my beliefs have strengthened and solidified, then I can listen to Raging Against the Machine. I'm like, yeah, and it all still works and everything kind of, it's still, they've stuck with me in that way. And I think that's probably why I loved The Matrix as a kid so much as well. Because, like, I, you know, my my parents were very, like, politically active yeah. since before I was born and as I was young. So I've always had kind of this influence and then seeing, like, finding this band that speaks to me in that way, I'm like, fuck yes, and then finding this movie that speaks to these ideas of not trusting anyone and working with this band, it all just, yeah, it was just like perfect storm for a 12-year-old. Well, that I mean, that was one of the things I was going to ask is that obviously a lot of, I mean, I think probably your parents, your parents were like some of the first people I met that I knew as like people's parents who were like still very well particularly your dad still very like firm yeah. in his beliefs and still very rooted yeah. in in uh you know things that he'd been you know actively pursuing since he was a young man well that's it like cuz like there's like the 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 photos which like 
obviously people listening to this can't see, but you know, the, there's the mm. photo of my dad when he was getting arrested and he's wrapped in chains and shit like that. And that photo was taken when he was 21. Yeah. And like, that was, that was kind of like midway of his like activism career kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't early on. It was, And so it's like, he was doing this shit when he was very young. Mm. And then it was kind of like, so I guess like then growing up and listening to this, I was just like, oh yeah, like I, I kind of, I it made me feel better about having like, you know, about, I guess like maybe more comfortable rather with being, I guess, politically active and vocal about things and yeah. liking bands like Rage Against the Machine and seeking out more music like this because yeah. I guess my parents started doing it so young as well. Yeah. Well, and I guess that's a good way to, that's a, I mean, it's a good way to link link in with what they are well the the way that they're feeling and the things that they think about as well and connecting with their ideals yeah. in a certain way yeah and it's, it's something that's funny as well as i remember i remember reading about this years ago and then in reading stuff this week I, I kind of popped up again that a big thing around this record in particular that raging against the machine were really like vocal on like you know these days there's a lot of bands talking about spotify and just being like you know spotify doesn't pay artists enough and that's kind of a big point the big point of contention for i guess alternative music and like music like rage against the machine when this record came out was that parent there were like parental committees and shit like that and politicians going against it being like kids shouldn't be listening to this band because they say fuck too many times yeah it's like it's putting bad ideas in kids heads and so there was this whole like Apparently Tom Morello was like heavily involved in um, making record stores sell records to kids, even if they had the explicit sticker on them. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, kids need to hear this kind of shit. And it's like, I kind of, you don't really think about it these days because there's the internet and anyone can get basically anything they want. But it's like, because there's nothing really like, you know, Spotify might have explicit next to a song, but there's nothing stopping a, a six year old no. putting that song on. Like, but back then it was like, it was actually hard for kids to, to get some of this music but that was a big thing is when i found this band and i remember playing it at home and my parents would be like who's this band and then i would show them the cd which had like because the 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 line on like the liner notes for this record just has like you know it will obviously look at the lyrics but also they had like things in there that were very and like the fucking cover itself is the photo of the burning monk like yeah and so it's like my parents saw this and were like yes more like this (laughs) keep finding bands like this this is what (laughs) we want you to do exactly yeah so they like they they really like nurtured that and encouraged it and i guess that's probably what led me to find like punk music and stuff like that but yeah. um but yeah it's funny that they, that back then it was a really like it was a real point of contention especially it is funny though that like they were on a major label so therefore like i've worked in the music industry and i know how fucking singles work and how they're chosen and how everything needs to be it needs to hit certain markers and the, this major label that put out this record picked the song that has fuck in it like 200 times. Like, yeah, it's, it's very funny that that's the single off this record. Yeah. Well, and like, I know that there is an edited version of it, but like yeah. the version that everyone knows is the fuck you version. No one, exactly, I don't, yeah. I don't know that I've ever heard the version without that, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I, that's it. I was listening to a thing the other day and it was like it was a, I would listen to like a snippet from like a BBC radio show and they were just like okay now we're going to play the like we're going to play Killing in the Name but we have to play the censored version because this is the radio and so they played the censored version I'm like this is fucking terrible yeah what like, it, it's that's, so, that's half of the song <laughs> like exactly like just so much of the song is just and it's like oh god why why would anyone listen to this <laughs> i mean i think but um i think uh, like 
a huge part of um liking this band for me too has been that it is one of those things that um the the message in it has not really wavered like it's still that's it yeah it's still relevant i mean i think even something that as recent as like you know a couple months ago like when all the george floyd stuff happened in america the fucking next day or the next week or whatever it was when the afl started back up here which has been a big part of my twitter presence at the moment is there is definitely an incognito emo working at channel 7 footy (laughs) who is putting on new metal and breakdowns and hardcore and stuff coming out of ad breaks the week after that all happened and all the black lives matter protests and stuff started happening after coming out of an ad break in the footy they had the like the verse part of this song not the fuck you part but you know the bit that's talking about cops (laughs) exactly yeah yeah and like i'm sure no one at channel seven was like paying attention but they got that dude whoever that is that woman that that person got that on normal tv and footy is being watched at the moment by more people than ever because they can't go to the games and i was like yeah who's this fucking emo genius putting the fuck yeah. cops part yeah. of the rage song on normal tv yeah. <laughs> like that's that's fantastic but that's, that's something i always found so funny about that song is that it's like it, it, it ended up like you know i guess in like the in the public consciousness it became like a song that is like the anthem for like being mad at your parents kind of thing it's yeah like that's what i interpreted it as yeah that's what it is but the song is not about that and so then like hearing it in public spaces like i mentioned academy before like hearing it at a nightclub and it's like this is a song about yeah like this is this song is about something that none of you are like you singing along that's not what you're it's not what you think it is and it's It's not your it's it's not your experience at all either yeah well that's it exactly exactly right and it's just it's like it's just funny how that and I guess that was kind of the point. I, the thing that I was reading is, yeah, they were on a major label and the whole point of them apparently signing to a major because, you know, yeah, I like the vibe of this band should be the same as like a punk and a hardcore band. They should be independent. Mm. But they wanted to be on a major label because they were like, well, we have a message that we want to get as far and wide as possible. And it's like they effectively, yeah, in the early 90s, after NWA snuck a fucking fuck cop song into the public consciousness yeah and it's just very funny but you know they're not they're not black guys so they don't get as much grief about it as uh nwa did yeah but um well i mean but yeah it's it's it is wild i mean and for sure the other thing too is like another thing that i have about that song in particular is that like i played that song at a year nine social and yeah we didn't get in trouble and i still to this day, have no idea how we didn't get in trouble for playing a fucking disco and saying, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me, and everyone knew it. And it was, like, because it yeah. was a, had a hip-hop part or whatever. Like, I don't know Not how we got it's away like, with that. <laughs> like, it's That's something I find, like, I, I, there was a point, and this is, like, probably why I also wanted to talk about No Effects. There was a point in year nine where I got, um, I got in trouble because I played their song Murder the Government at an assembly. And, Classic. um... Because I thought it'd be funny, and you know, I got in trouble for that because they're singing "Murder the Government." But yeah. then, yeah, the same thing. Like school bands would play "Rage Against the Machine" covers, and like 
you know, you could, it was just around and you could wear Age Against the Machine shirts to school and it was fine. Yeah. And it was kind of like, which also is funny, like, the fact, like, this is, and this, I guess this popped up recently as well, where there were a bunch of, like, you know, right-wing losers who were, like, Tom Morello posted shit about Trump and they're like, well, I'm not supporting your band anymore because you, you're getting all political. I'm like, <laughs> one, you're a fucking idiot, but two, the name, like, yeah. the name of the band and that's what, like, back then, teachers, like, would see Rage Against the Machine and be like, oh, fun. And it's like, not, it's, it's, it's in the fucking name what this band is about. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, the, the other thing too is like, it's, I mean, you know, I don't talk about it that much on this, but I, maybe I do. But like, I've worked in <laughs> education now for, mm. for 15 years now, 14 years. And, I mean, I'm a, obviously a proponent of the dumb cunt arts. So, like, <laughs> for, me, for me, like, <laughs> doing this stuff. And, I mean, I, I am a, I'm, an, I'm an adult now who makes decisions. I'm a complete advocate for people talking to children like they are, like they should be respected and also not yeah. hiding things from them. I mean... One of the things that bums me out the most about my work is that I often have to make sure that kids don't listen to swearing and kids, you know, get told off when they swear, which I understand in terms of a respect level, I understand yeah, teaching yeah. teaching that to people. But at the same don't time, me. like, you know, like, like you mentioned before, like, I, I mean, I remember not being able to buy CDs because they had a thing on it that said you couldn't buy them. Like yeah. I'm, I, I remember, I mean, it's a, it's a funny one now in the terms of the, what I've done as in bands, but like I couldn't buy cunt by blood duster and well, yeah, you know, like, that's, and that's a bit of a step up, I think, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but like, and uh, I remember not being able to buy cannibal corpse records because of the cover art. Yeah. Yeah. And things yeah. like that, which is funny was now. This a, like, was this your was this your mum not wanting you to, or like? No, no. I remember like you couldn't yet. buy them. Like you couldn't buy yeah, it right, from yeah, yeah. Sanity or uh, you know HMV or whatever it was. You know those shops. Yeah, you yeah. couldn't buy it unless yeah. you were sixteen or something. <laughs> and like, like I, I like the idea that the the CD is sitting on the shelf and you can see it. And they're like, yeah, you can look at it, but you're not allowed to take it home and look at it unless you're 16. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, and I remember the the with Cunt, for example, was like it just had a black cover on it that said Blood Duster, and it was in the corn font. <laughs> and <laughs> at least as far as my memory goes, I could be proven yeah, wrong yeah. about that, but. Like, I remember not being able to buy it, and the reason was because it was called Cunt, and I knew what it was called, but they're like, no, you can't yeah, buy yeah. that. And I was like, well, okay. And then, so, I, I don't know how I got it, but, I mean, similarly, like, I don't know how I got those Cannibal Corpse records, but it's it's just funny now that, like you said, like, with the internet, you can literally just write in Blood Duster Cunt on Google, and it comes up, or... Yeah. And, you know, and... and but- it's just strange that there is like there was a time in history where a person like Tom Morello had to like, and even more, even further back, like obviously fucking Twisted well, yeah. Sister and all those bands had to like take yeah. people to court and be like, anyone should be able to listen to this. It's just music. Like, 
well, and that's the whole thing. It was like with like Kiss and shit like that. Mm. It's like, you know, there were there were fucking there were parents groups and there were everything against Kiss because they looked satanic because they wore face paint. And you yeah. listen to that music now, and they're playing fucking disco at one point. Like it's like, <laughs> yeah, it nights, matter, in, but it's nights like, yeah. in Satan's service playing, <laughs> yeah, playing yeah. disco. Yeah, but it's like yeah, like there's like bands forever have had to fight this kind of thing. I back what you're saying about the guy just being like, you know that the album's called Cunt. You want to buy this album called Cunt. The guy will just be like, I'm not selling you this album, even though you are aware that it's like, it's the idea. It's like, you can't have this because then you'll learn that word. And you're going being like, I know the word. I know the word. I just want the CD. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, it's this, like, I get the whole, like, back to the parenting thing, I guess. Like, I, I get the whole, like, you don't necessarily want to just be saying cunt over and over again in front of a child because they might, you know, you want to be a positive influence around children, but also like, this is where I'm kind of off two minds because kids are going to learn this shit anyway. Kids yeah, are going to well, hear this stuff around the place. Why are you hiding this stuff from kids? Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't ever, you know, want to get in the way of how people decide to parent their kids. That's up to them and yeah. whatever they want to do. Yeah. But I mean, the the reality for me is that at this point now, I know there's kids that I know when, I, I mean, I met them when they were actually kids, like in primary school. And I mean, a perfect Mm. example of this is I have a sister who's 10 years younger than me. When I started working in education, I was looking after my sister and I see her now. And it's very interesting how things have, I mean, how it's so different. The experience she had to the experience that me and my sister had and, uh, and Ellie rather like my other sister had. And like, it's very different the experience that we had compared to the experience she had, even in things like, I mean, we looked after her when we were, when I was 12, I looked after Claire by myself at home. But when Claire was 12, she had to go to after school care (laughs) and I looked after an after school care. Like, and that's just just the way that the times change, you know, and uh, I don't blame my mum for anything with that, but that's just the way (laughs) things develop. But, at the yeah, same yeah. time, like, there's, there, then there's the opposite side of that as well, where, like, yeah, when I was a kid, it was, like, publicly being told, like, no, you can't have this because it's got swearing on it. Whereas now, it's like, you know, there's, it, there's songs that are played on popular radio that are, like, all about yeah. sex and, like, all, exactly. and not, not just, all. like, about sex, like, <clears throat> pop songs in the 80s and 90s are about sex like overtly sexual activity well, is in the song like you know? right now there's the what WAP song like yeah, yeah. The fucking yeah that it's everywhere right now and people are losing their minds over it even though songs like that as explicit as that have been released for forever and yeah it's, which but it's like and, but it, I mean I think the reality is like, like you said like kids are gonna hear it and they're gonna like it and I mean, yeah. and, and the other thing too, I remember a big thing in, in childcare. I remember it being like a talking point in childcare was when Anaconda by Nicki Minaj came out and yeah, kids yeah. loved it just because it's like yeah. funny and it's talking about bums. <laughs> so kids were like, this, exactly. is, this is great. And obviously it's a catchy song, whatever. But like, yeah. obviously they don't understand what's actually the song is about. Exactly. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember childcare workers and the industry just like losing its mind about like how do we protect <laughs> children from anaconda by Nicki minaj and it was like but that's i just f- remember sitting there thinking like who the fuck cares like 
What? Yeah, Why exactly. does this matter? Like, it's like a kid, like most kids, yeah, like you said, they're not going to clock that of what it's about. They're just like, oh, this is funny. And like most adults will hear pop songs and just be like, oh, cool, fun, catchy lyrics and not think anything deeper about yeah. what the song is about. And it's just like kids won't fucking notice. And if they do, it's like, oh, oh no, they learned what sex is. Yeah. Yeah, they learnt it from this and not from one of the other four million things in society that would teach them this anyway. And that's anyway. it. Like, th- that kid can go on YouTube, that kid can go on fucking Netflix, that kid can look outside and will have some... Yeah. They'll find it somehow. So, yeah. anyway. Well, yeah. and th- that's, that's what I often think about in terms of a band like this, in that now, I mean, I- I'm sure bands are, you know spreading these messages and saying these sorts of things in in the current climate maybe i'm just not as aware of them but like it seems like now um there is a real lack of this stuff particularly in messaging like this getting out publicly because it's not as tied to stuff like this i suppose and that's like admittedly i listen to fuck all music these days so it's like i don't really know what's out there but like there's definitely like you know there's there uh, there's obviously like bigger politically kind of focused bands like you know run the jewels and shit like that like mm. you know killer mike is obviously very vocal and very yeah. active and so there are big artists out there doing it and like my my thinking goes towards hip-hop because that's probably like of what i do the little of music that i do listen to is mostly hip-hop um and you know there's there there are a lot of rappers out there trying to talk about shit and trying to bring up political things, but it's still not, but that's still like, that's over here. It's not everywhere. Yeah. And it's kind of like, yeah. And it's like, it doesn't feel as it's kind of crazy. And you know, there were obviously before this, there were, there were big rock bands and whatnot out there that were like Pink Floyd and shit like that. And there were big bands out there that were, that did have messages that were appealing to a very wide audience, but it feels like, I don't know, this is probably me being a, an idiot, but it feels like Rage Against the Machine was the last huge band to be this political. Yeah, I mean, I I would kind of agree in terms of the 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 scope within I know things. You know, like I I would yeah, say that yeah. that's the last band that has like, I mean, filming a music video on the stock exchange and effectively shutting down Wall Street as part of exactly just filming a music video. Like, yeah, totally. I don't know. I mean, I know bands and artists are doing things like that all the time, and I'm sure I'm just unaware of them, but, like, to the scale that I know, that's not happening anymore, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. And, and, and people, like they... people are, I guess, doing that in different manners or whatever, but at the same time, like, I mean, as as a kid, this just really helped inform so much of that, like... Which would end up aligning very well to the message of punk and hardcore and stuff like that too, which yeah, is... Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, and I guess, you know, for for Zach, his purposes, like, he came from that. So, it, it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just... It's interesting that that... Um, I don't know. It, it, like, it isn't as prevalent now or it isn't as obvious to me. Or maybe, maybe it is happening, but it, it... Well, obviously it is happening, but it's just happening in a far more niche as you know realm yeah um, and, that's it. and i think it's also there's probably a there's a saturation thing it's like obviously back in the you know when rage were at their peak there wasn't the internet well the internet existed but not in the level that it is now there wasn't spotify there wasn't like 
as mm. easy access. So it's kind of like the big bands were ones that were kind of crafted and put in front of everybody. Like, and so there was obviously a lot like, you know, Rage, I think did a really good job of retaining, you know, creative control and yeah. retaining their message and what they were about. Like they didn't really compromise. And if they did, it wasn't in any like way that was kind of in, in opposition of what they were previously doing. But they clearly had a fucking big team behind them that got them as big as they were. Like a band yeah. can't get that big on their on their own. <clears throat> and so they were clearly being pushed that way. And it's like, but now because there's just it's saturation, there's just there's like every every person in their dog can upload a song to Bandcamp or straight to Spotify now and put music out there. So there's probably a million and one people who are doing songs about Black Lives Matter or you know like mm. you know very political th- the same kind of things that rage would be doing if they were still going today but because there's so many of them there's obviously yeah. not enough teams behind everyone to get them to the point that rage is at kind of thing so well yeah, yeah and i mean it's kind of like it's it's out there surely but i think like i don't know i can't remember <laughs> some and maybe it was solo or jay had a, someone was over here once and we put on some some of those rage videos and like, mm. I mean, particularly the Wall Street one, like Michael Moore directed it and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then there's other videos as well. And it, it, it's like, they had such high production value music videos well, for, for like towards the end of the band for what is like often a band that's saying like, fuck you to the record label or fuck you to well, like everything. And they're just throwing is, money at them too. Like, yeah, this is something I, and I think this probably is why I feel a bit weird about Tom Morello as well, because like Mm. there's this like, and I had this discussion with it with Ellie earlier is that it's like, it's funny that this is, this is a band that's very anti-establishment and very like, you know, they, they have a lot of problems with the capitalist system, but they very much operated within the capitalist system. And as they got bigger, they had to, they kind of did things where I'm sure if I saw some of the stuff, like as an example, like even though profits of rage, should work for me because I fucking love Chuck D and I love Be Real and mm. and then it's Rage Against the Machine, basically. It should work, but I do not like that band. And seeing them live and it just kind of, it just felt fake. Oh yeah, 100%. And I think, and, and it, I think that is a big part of because that, because Prophets of Rage is very much Tom Morello being like, I'm doing this now. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know, they're, they're a weird band that like, I think, and, I, I have no idea. I can't speak any, like, I don't have any facts behind this. But I imagine that that probably had something to do with Rage ending and Zach leaving mm. because the band got to a point where it was too much in the system that they were clearly against. Yeah, and well, and I think I think that in all the stuff that I've read about it is that, like, they all just fought with each other when it was... But, like, yeah, yeah. the three of them that have remained playing together... That mm. apparently were fighting as much with each other as with Zach, but I guess when it wasn't <laughs> in the scope of rage, they were fine. Like I, I yeah, know that yeah, I know yeah. that one of the big like folklore stories about them is one of the things that like led to them breaking up was the bass player f- doing the fuck around thing at the MTV Music Awards when Limp Biscuit oh, won the video yeah. for like best video, and he like climbed yeah, up on the yeah. scaffolding and all this. Yeah. And apparently that was one of like the big things that like, that was like a big rift in the band because the band, I guess, were really like mad at him for doing that because they said to him like, 
we get what you're trying to do, but it doesn't represent the message we're trying to put across and he just did it anyway. And that sort of broke the band up, but then he's continued on and played, continued to play music with them for like, yeah, what, you yeah. Know. <laughs> and obviously, and that's, and that's what I, like, I feel like that that's what the the band kind of like the the three members that I was at kind of started to I don't know like again this is me just speculating but it seems like they were like more okay with compromising things and accepting the big band and like one of the things like I worked in music and I you know I enjoyed parts of it but now I fucking hate the music industry and I'm really glad I'm not a part of it um, because there are there's like there's all this like fucking bullshit around. It's like, okay, you're a band that is that, you know, you're, you're, you're edgy cause you're political. So people in record labels and, you know, management and all that will go, let's play into that. You should go climb that scaffolding because it makes you seem yeah. crazy and you're again, anti-establishment. It's like, fuck that. Like, it's just, I don't, yeah, it's it the feels whole thing so, it feels, against. yeah, exactly. And it's like, and I, the way that it feels to me is that the rest of the band started kind of being like okay with doing that kind of shit because they're like, well, yeah, sure. we'll make the band bigger. And it's like, yeah, but that shit sucks. And then the fact that they all continued on and did um, Audio Slave and now Prophets of Rage and Zach has disappeared, you know, aside from like small appearances here and there, he's out. And yeah. to me, that's just like, yeah, because you saw that the band was starting to go into... Yeah. A world that you didn't like. And so you fucking peeled out. And I'm like, yeah, I respect that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Well, I think and... one of the one of the things that's the biggest bummer for me is that like the only iteration of Rage Against the Machine I've ever seen is Prophets of Rage. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is which is disappointing. Cause Yeah, and that's it. Like it's just I remember when I when they first announced that, that was that project was happening. Because I yeah, like, like I said, and this is probably like, you know, people are gonna People have gotten mad about this. I don't give a shit about Soundgarden. Never have. Sure. And so when Audio Slave popped up, I'm like, great, they're with that cunt. I don't care. <laughs> and so, and then they released music and I'm like, I remember having this argument with a friend years and years ago where like, it would have been the first Audio Slave single. Mm. And he's just like, listen to the music, man. It's just Rage, but it's got Chris Cornell on it. I'm like, yeah, but it sucks. It's just yeah, like- Yeah, and it's not I Rage. Don't know, I it's can't... like, it's the rock chorus- stretched yeah. out for a record <laughs> like exactly yeah and it's just it just didn't work for me so i was just really bitter about that and so then when i heard the prophets of rage was happening i was like maybe this is it maybe this all kind of because they i'm guessing that happened oh, clearly they were friends with with burial and, and and chuck d but like maybe that happened because they were kind of like oh audio slave didn't work because we didn't have rapping on it we need to get <laughs> rapping back on it and it's like yeah, yeah but it's still yeah but it's, it does not fucking work and yeah, it's I mean, just yeah, it it's a sight to behold seeing Prophets of Rage. I have to say, yeah, I'm glad that I saw yeah. them after having been drinking for like 24 hours straight. <laughs> it made it far well, more that's manageable. It. And for I, me. That was also at a point where I like was working in an industry I didn't like, and I was at a festival that I'd been at forever. Mm. And then they came on, so I was already I was not in the right <laughs> headspace to be watching Prophets of Rage, but I was already just like, I just want to fucking go home. Yeah. I don't want to deal with this shit. <laughs> And so, well, yeah, you know, it's unfortunate that, that that they didn't turn that experience around for you. <laughs> that they sullied. Yeah, it. seriously. Yeah, and it's like I guess like I because I've been you know reading stuff that um that like Tom Morello because obviously Tom Morello has become very vocal 
like well he never really stopped but he's i guess with twitter and stuff like that yeah he, what he says is a bit more obvious for me now I, i'm seeing it more than i was for a while and he still says some shit that i very much agree with and he's still mm. doing things that i very much agree with and i like it but there's still something maybe it's the fact he was in fucking iron man like he's in a marvel movie it's a why are you in a fucking marvel movie man yeah what are you doing you're part I, of it's disney just like, bro yeah and then, having said this, I love the Marvel movies, but <laughs> but still, I'm just like you're better than this. I I, I like this band because you're all supposed to be better than me. Yeah. And now you're saying, and now you're proving you're not. <laughs> so me like, paying for my yeah. Disney Plus subscription, <laughs> you shouldn't be in there. Exactly. Yeah. This is this is a different world. That's my that's my that's my Disney Plus world, and then I have my like you know my Rage Against the Machine world over here. You exist over there. You should but, be telling uh, anyway, me not like, to subscribe to Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and so it's kind of like you know, um, my point being is just like he clearly is. I like he and I are probably like still quite aligned politically, I guess. And like I should, there are p- people out there, other other people out there that will be saying things similar to him, where I'm like, "Fuck yeah, you're the best. I like you." Mm. But with him, I don't know. It's just there's some sour about him I, I feel like i've talked about how much i dislike tom morello a lot in this episode <laughs> sorry tom if you're listening um <laughs> sign me up for your masterclass. <laughs> yeah um all right but, uh, well let's anyway. uh let's pack it in on uh on yeah. the the tom morello hate but um <laughs> yeah. i guess the i suppose it's a like an interesting thing to talk yeah uh, well it's sort of strange thing to talk about in the scope of everything that's been going on but um i think when we first the first time we did this together obviously back then it was predominantly talking about what people did and how they did it with music and things like that yeah um but obviously and then as you've highlighted spent a long time working in the music industry and then getting out of it due to being you know obviously burnt out from it but you are still actively doing that stuff from time to time well that's yeah like i'm kind of I don't know. I was like, like music. Like mm. I, I don't listen to as much music as I used to because I still, I very much like I left the music industry a year ago. Yeah. And so I'm still burnt out by it. But, um, and I, you know, I'm listening to more music now than I was for a while. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, it's, I, it's, it's an industry that I don't want to be part of. Having said that, I have a lot of good friends that are a part of it. And that's something that they like you as one of them. Yeah. Like you're, you play, you're a musician, you play in bands, you tour, you do all that kind of stuff. And it's something that you care about. And I obviously care about my friends and there is artistic side of things that like, I do have an artistic output that I like that it works with music. Yeah. And I'm trying to become more of like, I'm trying well, I, I'm trying to do more like art for art's sake and like personal stuff and stuff like that. But I do still enjoy doing, you know, album covers and whatnot from time to time. And so I still am, I, I I will spit all, I will say all over Twitter and I'll say all sorts of shit about how much I hate the music industry, but I'm still affiliated with it. <laughs> That's okay. Well, you know, <laughs> at least at least uh, you're not in a Marvel movie. Put it that way. But I'm sure <laughs> if they I came asking, <laughs> you'd be there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, yeah. thank you for talking with me about that record. All right. So yeah, I think we talked maybe a little like 40 percent about the record and then 60 percent about other shit but anyway that's fine um but yeah but it fucking rules and something that i even because i guess i've been a, a, a you know a person with not a very good sound system my entire life um this i was just like yeah the record sounds cool like my my 
the, I guess the most I ever listened to this record would have been on a Discman. Yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> but then I was listening to st- stuff this week where they were just like, this is a record where you, if you have a good sound system, like, like isolate yourself, turn it up really loud. It's a fucking amazing sounding record. And it really is. It's a really good sounding record. And yeah. I, I mean, like, I, 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 I definitely, I definitely did that this week and I forgot. Yeah. And again, yeah, I guess because I listened, I would have listened to it in, on a scratch CD walking home or yeah. in my bedroom on whatever cheap CD player my mum bought for me, you know, like, yeah, but yeah, listening exactly. to it now, it's like, Oh wait, this sounds great. <laughs> like, well, that's it. Like I, 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 <laughs> with this, like I, I say that I've probably listened to this record more than I've listened to anything else because I discovered in it would have been year 11 that the length of this CD, it's like 56 minutes or something like that was the exact length of me walking out the front door, getting two buses, and then walking into school. So I listened to it every single day on the way and on the way back, every single day, yeah, over and over and over again. That's the only thing I listened to because I just figured out that it it worked. So I was like, yep, this is great. This is this is what I listen to when I go to and from school. And so that was just on a discman in my pocket with really shitty little earbuds. And but that was. And I remember, like, I have, like, very distinct memories of sitting on the bus and, like, listening really closely and being, like, this part is amazing because it sounds like this. Because, like, there's things like Township Rebellion and stuff like that, which is, like, a, I guess one of the weirdest songs on the record. Mm. We didn't really talk about individual songs on this record, but that song sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, then, and, like, this week... I, I well, think like, this the, week, I, I have, like... The... No, no, you go. No. Well, this week, because I, I have, like, good headphones for because i work in like videography now and so i have like good sounding headphones for doing sound stuff at work so i've just sat at work with them like sucked Mm. my head listening to this record all week and it's yeah it's just like oh this movie like this movie this album sounds fantastic like it's still like an album from 92 still sounds perfect yeah and i mean i think that probably has that probably lends to the fact that they were on like a massive record label that would have put it into it but i mean that being said as yeah. well, like the band really leaned into the, you know, not, you know, we played everything, not using samples, all that sort of stuff. Oh, but it. like, it's, it sounds fucking unreal, you know? Yeah. And that's why I'll like, and I guess that's, yeah, that is a testament. Like, cause there's, I've seen people posting on Twitter recently, like a mutual friend of ours, Taylor, who retweeted something or something like that. It was just like talking about like replacing drum sounds on records. And it's mm. just like how it's just, it's, it's shitty and it's like yeah that's this band is just like they had that statement on every record being like this didn't include synthesizers they had all the record or all the instruments and shit like that and it's yeah and that's why it holds up like you listen to these records now like i listened i listened like when you asked me to be on this and i was like cool i'm gonna do rage against machine i listened to self-titled and then i just went straight into evil empire and then i just went straight into battle of los angeles yeah and it's just like these all three records just like survive and they still work and they still sound and especially like with the political climate right now they are still super fucking current and they you could put this record like you could show someone this record now and it could like they could go oh yeah that came out a week ago like it all works because it's real instruments all all their songs started getting a real fucking run at it again in the last couple months like i mentioned it being on the footy and stuff like it's yeah they've all they've kicked back off again because of it for sure Absolutely, yeah. It's just, and it, it's yeah. There's it because it's it's real sounding, and they've just managed to hit this like they were just before new metal, so they weren't like playing a kind of a, a flash in the pan style of music that mm. you know. Obviously, new metal's had a bit of a resurgence, but <laughs> they weren't. They didn't play something that was just like you know, uh, 
you know, something that was a trend. They weren't doing that. They were just playing something that was kind of original that informed a lot of other artists. And it just, it, it's continued. It works. It still, it still sounds relevant. Yeah. Well, if anyone well, hasn't anyway, heard yeah. this record, go and listen to <laughs> the record Which we... I- we talked about for forty to fifty percent of this yep. conversation. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, see. thanks for doing it. No worries. Thank you very much. <laughs>